0: and the passage we'll be looking at. And, I, and Father, I pray that You would bless the time. Help me to say the things, Father, that You would have me to say. And Lord, help me uh, not to say those things which would not bring honor to Your name. Lord, help this to be a time of growth. Help this to be a time where we can learn from Your Word. We love You, Father. In Your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Matthew chapter 8, you remember last week... We dealt with the first part of the passage, we went up to uh, verse 17, so this week we'll uh, continue on through verse number 18 as we go through in Matthew 18's very interesting passage, a lot going on. If you look at verse number 18, you'll see... Uh, as we go through the rest of this passage, you know, there's kind of a few random stories. And really, any one of these could have been a sermon in and of itself. I do not want to spend five weeks in Matthew 8. So, I-, I want to just kind of give you an overview and show you a few things. But, there's a few lessons we can learn in regards to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand this. Uh, if you're going to understand the, the, the sermon and the message, you got to understand this, okay? Being a Christian... And, and being a follower of Jesus Christ are two different things, okay? Being saved does not make you a follower of Jesus Christ. You could be a Christian, you could be saved, you could even be a good Christian, and you could be, you know, a, a faithful person in, in, in church or whatever, but someone who decides to follow Christ is someone who has decided to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means they are going to discipline their lives to uh, be like Christ. That means that for them, Christianity is not something they do on Sunday morning. It's not something they do on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Every day when they wake up, all day, every day, is about Jesus Christ. And there are a few things we can learn in this passage in regards to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you are endeavoring to follow Christ. Maybe you are thinking of saying, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take that step. You say, what, how do you know? How do you know? Look, when your family starts saying you're in a cult, okay, that's when you've taken the step, alright? And, and if your family said, you know, you're in a cult, go to that church. Look, that's normal. They have they said about everybody. Right. Okay? They said it about and every person that starts coming to a Baptist church and starts learning what the Bible actually says, they call you, they say you're in a cult, okay? You start knowing uh, the lingo there, alright? A cult follows a man. We follow Jesus Christ, alright? Just so you understand. Matthew 8, look at verse 18. Okay, look what it says. Now, when Jesus saw a great multitude about him, he, he gave commanded to depart unto the other side and a certain scribe, this is a religious person, said unto him so notice, they were already religious, they're a scribe okay but he wants to take another step he said unto him, now notice what he says he says, master, now notice, he says I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest, he says master, anywhere you go I am going to follow you, now look at verse 20 and Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. What's he saying? Say, The foxes have a place they call home. They have a home. The birds have a place they call home. They have a nest. But. The Son of Man, the Son of Man is a common title that Jesus would give to Himself. I think this is the first time it's found in Scripture, actually, uh, here in Matthew, where Jesus refers to Himself. He says, but the Son of Man, look what it says, have not where to lay His head. Did you know that Jesus Christ was homeless? I mean, is that not what He just said? He says, look, the foxes have a place they call home. The birds have a place they call home. But He says, look, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. He said, you, you want to follow me whether I go, that's fine. But you need to understand that if you follow me, well, I don't know where we're going to sleep tonight. Now notice, verse 21, he says, Master, I will follow thee whether thou goest. Verse 20, he says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Verse 21, look what it says, and another of his disciples said, that's, that's a, uh, you know, this guy didn't respond. You understand? <laughs> he says, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Well, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight, and he's like, "Well, I don't know about that." Okay, who's you gonna understand? Following Jesus means you may have some insecurities. you understand that? Following, see, see, you you could you could have a secure you could have a secure life. You know exactly where you're going to live. You know you've got your job laid out. You've got your whole, you know, retirement plan laid out. You've got a 401k with a lot of money. Look, you can have a real secure life, and listen to me, and, and please don't take this the wrong way. You can have a very secure life and be a pretty good Christian. But if you're going to follow Jesus Christ with your life, it may bring about some insecurities. Now, here they're financial, but it may be others. You, you know. I, Honestly, I, I mean, and, and, and again, please don't take this the wrong way. But if I, if I wasn't a pastor, my, my wife and I would be a lot more financially secure than we are right now. Does that make sense? I mean, when sometimes when you decide to say, you know, I'm gonna take this a little step further, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go from just, you know, being a fan or being part of the crowd and I'm gonna make this my life. Hey, there are some insecurities that go with that. Some of you, you know, there, we've got some guys here that may be thinking of uh, being a pastor someday or being a minister someday. If that's you, hey, just realize, when you go into ministry, you may have to actually learn what it means to pray for your daily bread. See, we don't like that. I want God to give me my bread for today, and I want to know where the bread's coming for the next month. Is that not how we all are? But God says, just pray for what you need for today. He's like, give us this day, our daily bread. You know what that means? Here's what I'm trying to say. When you begin following Christ, you may learn what it is to get up in the morning and ask God to feed you that day. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, look, you want to follow me wherever I go? That's okay, but where I'm going over there, I don't know where we're going to sleep. And the guy's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's what I want. See, there's a cost to following Christ. You may miss out on some things in this life if you truly begin to follow Christ. Look at verse 21. And another of his disciples said unto him, now I, I love this phrase, Lord, suffer me first okay the word suffer means allow he says Lord suffer me first allow me first okay this phrase is an oxymoron alright you understand look what it says he says Lord which Lord means you're the boss it means you're in charge okay he says Lord suffer me first that do you understand how that that's an oxymoron if he's Lord then you're not first you understand that and if you're first then he's not Lord do you get that Lord, suffer me first. Well, hold on. If I'm Lord, why am I letting you first? I mean, the Bible says that in all things, He may have the preeminence. Does it not? The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So it's interesting because this guy says, Lord, let me go first. And he's like, well, if you're going first, then I'm not the Lord. And if I'm the Lord, then you're not going first. He says, Lord, suffer me first. Now notice what he says. This is a very interesting verse in the Bible to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Now it's interesting because in this passage, we, we see this passage and we think, man, Jesus is mean. Jesus is a bad... I mean, he, He's not going to let him go bury his father? He's not going to let him go... Now look, if there was a re- if, there, if there was an excuse, would not this be a good excuse? isn't that what you say when you get pulled over by the cop and you're speeding I'm on my way to a funeral <laughs> I mean this is a pretty good excuse but notice Jesus, Jesus he says he says Lord tell me first to go and bury my father and Jesus said unto him follow me and let the dead bury their dead so what can we learn from this Here's what you need to understand following Jesus means sometimes you don't get to partake in things that are we're not talking about sinful things here we're not talking about Wicked things here. There's nothing wrong with going... Do you think there's anything wrong with going to, to your father's funeral? Okay, but if this guy was going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that was going to be something he had to sacrifice and not be able to go to his dad's funeral. Now look, you got to understand this. This guy's not alone. There are people in this room right now that would not follow... You would not follow Jesus Christ if it meant skipping out on your dad's funeral. And that's Okay there's no problem with that you can still be a good Christian you can still be a faithful church member you can still love God but I'm here to tell you the missionary doesn't get to go to his dad's funeral all the time you understand that? there comes a time when you step out so far and you're so into this Christian thing that you miss out on opportunities And we're not talking about bad things there's nothing wrong with going to your dad's funeral but sometimes when you're following Christ and it's an everyday journey sometimes you don't get to do even good things my my, uh, my wife, she likes to read these blogs. There's these 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 other you know friends we have that are just like us. You know they've got kids and they don't have a TV and they don't have birth control and they, they homeschool and they're you know weird like we're weird or whatever. And uh, they they'll have their blogs that they that they, they 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 blog on. They're good people. We love these people. I, I mean many. I mean look, it's, it's a rule. It, it's, it's like a, a, an interesting thing in, in our little community because all every family has like a blog. I mean, we have a blog, you know. But my wife will go on, on these blogs and she'll, she'll, well, she'll read it and she'll kind of update me on these people that we know or whatever. And, and it's interesting because we're constantly seeing, you know. And, and please understand me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking bad about these people. Okay, I love these people. They're good people. But we're constantly seeing like, oh, this family moved to this state in the middle of nowhere, and they've got a hundred acres, and they've got all these like cows and all this stuff, and it's so great. You know, there's this family. They bought this property, and, and you know, it's got a barn in it, and they turned the whole barn into a big homeschooling schoolroom, and it's got this and that. You know, and and this family went on this activity, and this family went on that activity, and they went on this vacation. And look, there's not. And please understand me. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But you know, I, my wife and I, you know, often think to ourselves, man, if, if I wasn't the pastor of a church, we could do that too. If I didn't care about winning souls for Christ, we could go live somewhere in the middle of nowhere and not skip out on church too. You say well, you think there's anything wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm just telling you. Sometimes when you there's nothing wrong with activities. There's Nothing wrong with soccer leagues and little leagues and vacations. And look, if you like to go on a two week vacation once a year, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes when you get in the ministry, you don't have a vacation for five years. You say, Pastor, you're preaching against vacation. I'm not preaching against vacations. I'm not preaching against going to a father's funeral. I'm just telling you this. Sometimes when you step out and actually begin to follow Christ every day, there are good things you miss out on. You just got to understand that. And if you say, well, I'm not signing up for that, that's okay. You can be a good Christian. You can stay where you're at. You can be faithful in the area you're in. But when you step out and say, I'm going to follow Jesus every day, there may be a cause for serving Jesus. And Jesus is giving the warning. He's saying, look, if you want to follow me, you've got to understand there may be some insecurities. If you want to follow me, you need to understand there may be some good things that you miss out on. If you want to follow me, there is going to be a cost to be paid. There's a cost for following Christ. And you know, this guy, look at verse 18, okay? In verse 18, he says, now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him... He gave commandment to depart unto the other side. Okay, so in verse 18, Jesus already said, Let's cross the Galilee, and let's go to the other side. Right? Did He not say that? Mm -hmm. So He's already said they're going to do that. Verse 19, this guy says, I'm going to follow you. He says, well, I don't have anywhere to live. He says, okay, I'm good with that. Verse 21, this guy says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Okay, so, did not Jesus already say He's crossing the other side? Did He not already say that in verse 18? What is this guy asking Him to do in, in verse 22? In verse 21... He's asking him to wait. Look, look, you've got to understand. You need to understand this. There's nothing wrong with burying your dad. But sometimes we don't do the great things to do the good things. There's a lot of things I could do on Saturday with my family and, and, and be a great family man that people would be like, Man, you are a great father. You do this with your sons and you do this with your daughters and you do this with your kids. You say, why do you not do those? Because we want to do the best thing, which is winning souls. There's nothing wrong with anything else you do. This guy, you know, he's saying, i got to bury my dad. Well, if that's where you're... See, it it goes back to this. And I'm trying to do a good job. I wish I had the eloquence to be able to explain this. In the Old Testament, you read about when they would go to war. Remember when the men would go to war? They were told, if a man just got married, don't send him into the... Don't send him home. Don't send him to battle. You remember reading that in the Old Testament? Some of you need to read the Old Testament. (laughs) You know, it said, if a guy just built a house, don't send him into battle. Build, you know, let him enjoy his house. If a guy just did this, don't send him to war. Let him do this. Why? Because you did not want to go to war with someone whose heart was not all in. You understand that? See, Jesus said, look, I, I can't, I can't, uh, we're, we're going to go a- into areas where people are going to try to kill us. We're, I mean, what do the disciples have before them? People are going to imprison them. People are going to beat them. People are going to badmouth them. People. I mean, Jesus is going to get crucified. And, and Jesus says, I can't take you with me while you're stinking about your dad. There's nothing wrong with your dad. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what your heart is, then don't go to battle with me. See, you've got to decide what is the most important thing. But what's the best? And if this is the best for you, then, then you just realize, I can't follow Christ every day like others can. Say, so, well, I want to be like others. We'll also realize that those others are going to miss out on some nice things. Good things. I know a whole lot of pastors that don't have the 401k that they could have had if they would have not gotten in ministry. You just realize, I followed Christ, so I missed out on some stuff. That's okay. But go into it with your eyes open. See... You can't go in, halfway in, halfway out, thinking about this, thinking about that. You know, when, I, when, when he, they say, look, this guy just got married, He going to be thinking about his wife, don't send him to war. Wait a year, once him and his wife have been fighting for a while, then send him to war. I mean, if he's fighting with his wife, you know, he's like to charge a little cannon, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's going to get in there and just not care. But he's like, while he's in love, just let him stay home Because his heart's not in it, and that's what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying, look, this, these guys, their heart is somewhere else. And this guy was trying to slow him down. The question I have for this guy is this. If your dad's dead, why are you with Jesus? Shouldn't you be with your family? You know, maybe this guy's de- dad is not even dead. Maybe his dad's sick. So what's he asking Jesus? Can you wait till my dad dies and I bury him before we go over to the other side? He's like, I already said I'm going on the other side. I wonder if the guy's dad's even sick. You know, maybe it's just an excuse. Anyway, look at verse 23. Um, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But the way, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, "Lord, save us! We perish!" And he saith unto them, "Why are ye so fearful? Or ye have little faith?" Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marvelled, saying, "What manner of man is this? That even the winds." And the obey him. Now, I'm not going to deal with this passage tonight, because literally, I think it was two or three weeks ago, I preached a whole sermon on Sunday morning entitled, Peace Be Still. I don't know if you remember that, but we went through this passage, and we saw it in the rest of the Gospels, and I spent an hour developing this whole text, so I'm not going to do that tonight. If you're interested in that, uh, go on our website and just find that. It's a few weeks ago, Peace Be Still, uh, so we're going to skip that part for tonight. But look at verse 28. And when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes, "...there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fears, so that no man might pass by that way." Now what you do need to understand about the part we just skipped. And again, we're skipping it because I have dealt with it extensively a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning. But what you need to understand about this part we just skipped is that Jesus says, let's go on the other side. When He references going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, you've got to understand the, the way the, the, the land was laid out, you had the Sea of Galilee in the north, you had the Jordan River that came down to the middle, then you had the, the Dead Sea at the bottom. Jesus' fruitful ministry was around the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, He's talking about going to the Gentile side. The other side is always reference to the Gentile, half of it was Jew, half of it was Gentile, as he's crossing the sea, there's this big tempest, there's this big storm, there's this hurricane, you know, the disciples are all scared, Jesus comes out, says peace be still, the, the, uh, the lake calms there, the sea calms, they travel on, and they get to the other side, okay, that's verse 28, when he was come to the other side, into the country of the Gergesenes. There met him two with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fears, so that no man might pass this way. Now, the same story is found in the book of Mark. Uh, uh, keep your finger there in Matthew 8. Go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, real quickly. Mark chapter 5. Keep your finger in Matthew chapter 8. Mark chapter 5. We said, number one, there is a cost for, for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Number two, there is a... Focus, and look, you know, I was kind of using the analogy of ministry a lot. But look, do you think that those who faithfully tithe every week, you think they could find something to do with that money? Of course they could. But when you decide to take that step and say, no, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you may lose out on some things. But that's okay. Because I'd rather serve Jesus Christ with my life. Number two, not only is there a cost for serving following Christ, there is a focus of following Christ. Are you there in in Mark chapter 5? Look at verse 1. I want you to just real quickly see the, the... Here's a parallel passage. I want you to see the characteristics of a demon-possessed individual or a devil-possessed individual. Mark 5.1. Because today people think like, oh, you know, that's not true. Those were just stories. Nobody's really demon-possessed anymore. But look at look at Mark in verse 5. And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gergesenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately they met him out of the tombs. Okay? Out of the tombs. So out of the cemetery, a man with an unclean spirit. An unclean spirit is talking about a devil or a, a demon. Or, uh, you know, uh, 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 a fallen angel or whatever you want to call it. So, this guy is an unclean spirit. Now, where's this guy hanging out? In the tombs. Do you see that? Who had his dwelling, verse 3, among the tombs, and no man could buy him, no not with chains. This guy has a fascination with death. I mean, this guy is just like, I want to live in the tombs, I want to hang out with the tombs, I want to be around dead bodies, I want to be, you know, I just, you know. And today people say, oh, no one's demon possessed anymore. Is Look, there is a whole movement today of teenagers that are fascinated with death. They dress in black, they paint their fingernails black, you know, I don't know what else they do. They do all these weird things. Their music's all about death. I mean, they are fascinated with death. Proverbs says, they that uh, hate me love death. That's wisdom speaking. So here you see a characteristic of someone that's demon-possessed is a fascination with death. Look at verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither, Larissa, neither could any man tame him. This guy's not only fascinated with death, he is out of control. Does that describe some teenagers today? I mean, fascinated with death, and not just teenagers. Old people that don't know they're old yet. You know, they still think they're young, so they're like, "Oh, I listen to all this cool music." <laughs> fascinated with death, out of control. Okay, look at verse five. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying. Look at this, and cutting himself. With stones. Are there people that cut themselves today? There are there people today that are fascinated with death? Are there people today that are out of control? You say, oh, they're just going through a phase. I'm not saying they're all demon possessed, but, I mean, the description's there. There's definitely some sort of a devilish influence. Keep your finger there in Mark 5. Go back to Matthew chapter 8. Mark 5, and go back to Matthew chapter 8. Say, well, my child listens to that. Look, get that music out of your house. You know, well, my child is, you know, cuts themselves because or his friends cut themselves. get your kid away from those friends. Okay, Matthew chapter eight, verse twenty-nine. This is interesting. And behold, they cried out, saying. What have we to do with thee, Jesus, our son of God, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now, today, you know, you talk to people and they'll think like, Oh, you know, Satan's in hell and he's like running the show in 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 hell. Okay? Hear the devil say, Hey Jesus, what are you doing here? Isn't it kinda early? Have you notice the last phrase of verse twenty nine? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Notice, they know there's coming a time when they're going to be tormented. They're trying to cause as much havoc and chaos before that time comes. Verse 30. And I just want you to see the the, the power of Christ. And I want you to see just the importance of, of, of a soul. Verse 30. And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. Now, keep in mind, we're in... Gentile land, okay? These aren't the Jews. Remember, the Jews, they weren't supposed to touch uh, pigs and all that. But here, these guys are are, are raising swine. Verse 31, So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. Now, I I love this. And he said unto them, just one word. Just notice the power of the word of Christ. He says, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Just, I mean, the, the swine, and, and we're, go, 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 go to Mark chapter 5. Did you keep your finger there? Keep your finger on Mark 5, because we're going to be going back and forth a little bit. Go to Mark chapter 5, look at verse 8, okay? Mark chapter 5, verse 8. Mark 5, 8. For he said unto them, Come out of the, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, which means a thousand, for we are many. And he, so he says, Look, he says, he says What's your name? He's like, There's too many of us to give you your name. Just call us Legion, because there's a thousand of us. I mean, this guy was possessed with a thousand devils. Verse 10, and he, or at least, verse 10, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Now here's what's interesting. At least a thousand devils. Maybe two thousand devils. Okay? Possessing this one man. They've got power. I mean, remember we read, they they tried to tie this guy up with chains, and he was breaking the chains. No man could control him. No man could could tie him down. I mean, he had superhuman strength, because he had all these demons inside him. And they see Jesus, and they're like... Please just let us go into the swine. And he says one word. Go. And they just go into the swine. They run violently. Look at verse 13. And forthwith, Mark 5, 13. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Now notice what the Bible says. They were about 2,000 swine, pigs, and were choked in the sea. Now these people were raising swine. It was their business. They had two thousand of them, and Jesus just commanded them to just go into the sea and just die. Okay. Now I, I, I called my mom this morning because my mom actually, um, and my dad, but I don't know how much my dad had to do with it. <laughs> but uh, my mom actually, she went to a, you know she went to Venezuela on a trip, and she comes back telling us how she like bought these pigs. She had like this like she bought this like little farm. With pigs. So, and I'm like, why did you buy pigs? I, I don't know. I don't know why she did it. But I called her and I'm like, mom, what what's the price of a pig? Okay? And she told me that in Venezuela, which things are cheaper there, you can buy a pig for about $50. Okay? Okay? So I went on Google, and I Googled, you know, the cost of a pig. And they said that, you know, a low-grade pig, like on the low end, you can buy a pig for about $80, okay? Some of you should get rid of your little yapping dog and go get you a pig, all right? Because that, that'd be cool, all right? But if you think about, okay, you, you, you think you got 2,000 pigs, let's say they're all like the low end, $50 to $80 dollars each. How, I mean, we're talking about 100000 to to $160,000, that Jesus just threw into the sea, okay. But the high-end pigs—I mean, some pigs cost up to a thousand dollars. But the high-end pig, like if you want a nice pig, you're talking about a hundred to two hundred dollars. That's if you want a nice one. I mean, these are the pigs—they they don't—they don't, they don't go in the mud. They're too good for that. You know, I don't know—I don't know what makes them high-end, but they're just like the better quality pig. A hundred to two hundred dollars, okay. At two thousand a pop, or, or, or one hundred, two hundred at two thousand pigs. We're talking about $200,000 to $400,000. I mean, this is big business. At the low end, if you bought them in communist Venezuela, you know, you're spending $100,000. And if you get them from, you know, I don't know, pig heaven or whatever, you're talking $400,000. You say, what's the point? Here's the point. The value that Jesus Christ had on a soul. You understand that? He saw a soul being in torment, being being in bondage to these devils, and he said, "Go into those pigs." Well, that's two hundred thousand dollars. I don't care. Go into those pigs. I mean, there's there's a there's a value to a human soul. Bible says, "What shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul?" (laughs) And here Jesus teaches us and shows us the value of an individual. See, remember we talked about there is a cost for following Christ, but you need to understand this. There is a focus in following Christ and that focus is an individual soul. Say, how is Verity Baptist Church gonna grow? Is it gonna grow because we're gonna, you know, uh, bring in uh, a rock band and it's gonna attract thousands of people and we're gonna bring in, you know, Joyce Myers and she's gonna attract thousands of people? Look, we're not trying to attract thousands of people. If a thousand people showed up to church on Sunday, you know, we would not know what to do. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, some of you show up ten minutes late. You think you're going to help us? (laughs) Like, we need more chairs. (laughs) Yeah, how's this church going to grow? One person at a time, one individual at a time, winning one soul at a time, baptizing one person at a time, bringing one person at a time, one family at a time, focusing. See, you constantly see Jesus focusing on the individual. We start Matthew chapter 8 with a multitude, and Jesus says, I'm going to get on a ship, I'm going to travel through a hurricane, I'm going to go through a storm, because on the other side, there's one person that needs me. Thank you, he said, and I'm willing to spend 100000 hundred thousand, four hundred thousand? 400000 I don't care what it costs. There is a value to a human soul. Amen. We said, number one, there is a cost for following Christ. Number two, there is a focus on following Christ. See, you cannot, remember Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh-huh. So you cannot follow Christ if you're not fishing for men. People say, I'm following Christ. Okay, well, see, I'll see how soul winning. Well, I don't know about soul winning. Don't tell me you're following Christ if you're not fishing for men. Sure. No. Because he said, If you follow me, I will make you it's not a choice. He said, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. Number three, look at the reaction of following Christ. Matthew eight, look at verse thirty three. We're almost done. Matthew eight, verse thirty three. And they that kept them fled, and went their way into the city, and told everything everything, and what was befallen to the possession of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. I I love this verse. I I mean, I don't love this verse. It just tells of the human nature. The whole city came out to meet Jesus. I mean, they heard about what happened. They come out to meet Jesus. And when they saw Him, they saw Him, look what it says, they besought Him that He would depart out of their coast. They saw Jesus Christ and they were disappointed when they saw Him. They came to Jesus Christ and they said, this isn't what I was expecting. And they heard it. Okay, go, go back to Mark chapter 5. Not only did they see Jesus Christ, Mark chapter 5, look at verse 14. Mark chapter 5, verse 14. Mark five 14. We're doing good on time. We're almost done. Mark chapter 5, verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. Now notice this. Remember we, we preached about modesty and nakedness on Sunday morning? Okay, let me give you another devilish influence. Verse 15. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had a legion. Look how they see him. They see him sitting. Remember, he was out of control before. Now he's sitting and clothed. He was naked before. Now he's clothed and in his right mind. Now look at what it says. And they were afraid. is that Interesting a scene and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. I, if I've said, I, I've had this conversation multiple, multiple times throughout the years as a pastor, when you start coming to church and you start getting rid of the sin, and you get. And you you get delivered from the bondage of alcohol and drugs and, and pornography and, and you couldn't hold down a job before, but now you got Jesus. Now you're developing Good. developing some character. Now you you've got some structure to your life. Now you're, you know, holding down a job. Now you're being clean and you're not living that lifestyle anymore. And I'm here to tell you, your friends and your family are gonna look at you and instead of saying, Praise God, they're gonna be afraid and say, What happened to so and so? They liked you better when you were in bondage. That's right. They liked you better when your life was out of control. Because it's not you, is they don't like Christ. See, if you can do all that without Jesus Christ, that's okay. But when you do it with Jesus Christ, hey, I'd be better if you just leave Jesus. Well, didn't you see what happened to so-and-so? I mean, they're sitting cold in the right mind. Yeah, but we liked him how he was before. Isn't that crazy? Say, Pastor, that never happened. I know, of a, I know of a pastor, this is a true story, was out door knocking, knocked on doors at this trailer park on a Saturday morning, got this young lady saved, got her living boyfriend saved, started coming to church, they got baptized, they realized that they weren't supposed to be living together, that it's wrong, it's fornication. They, he moved out till he could, you know... Raise some money so they could get married and do it right. She had a baby by him. This guy was a construction worker, getting high at work every day, while the girl worked as a prostitute in that trailer, owned by her mother. And the mom gets mad and calls the preacher and says, Ever since you got my daughter saved, they haven't been paying me rent. Because she's not prostituting anymore. You don't think that happens? Wait, you like them better the way they were before? Oh yeah, it was more comfortable. They were more fun. They were the life of the party, actually. It was fun for us to come out here in the tombs and see this guy out of control. It was nice. But when he's clothed in his right mind, it's like, forget that, Jesus. Get out of here, Jesus. Go back to Matthew chapter 8. Actually, I'm sorry. Keep Go to Mark 5 and Mark 8. I, I want you to see something. Remember, the focus is what? Winning souls. The focus is what? Reaching people. The focus is what? Transforming lives. Why do we do it? Look why. Mark 5, verse 18. We're we're done. Look, it's 8.07. We'll be done at 8.15. I've got a little bit more than five minutes. Just give me this, and you'll be fine. Mark 5, verse 18. And he was come into the ship. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Okay, so this guy gets possessed. This guy gets delivered, and he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. Now notice what Jesus says, verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, now make know this word, go. He saith unto him, Go. Home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on me. See, Pastor, why do you bring people to church and you. We get them saved and we get them baptized and you begin to teach them the Bible and we begin to transform their lives and they begin and and, and a whole radical change. Why do we do that? So then they can go and tell others also. Jesus says, Look, just go tell your friends. Just go tell people what happened here. Go tell them about go go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. Okay, now here's what's interesting. Demon possessed guy no longer has a demon. Jesus says, Go, and what does he do? He goes. Okay, look at, go, go back to Matthew chapter 8, look at verse 32. Matthew chapter 8, verse 32. Demon possessed guy, life is in ruins, life is in shackles, you know what I mean? I mean, his life is just a mess. Jesus delivers him, he says, go, and he goes. Uh, Matthew 8, look at verse 32, okay? And he said unto them, what's that say? Let's read it together. Go. Do you see that? Here you got demons, you got devils. Jesus says, go, and they go. They went... What's it say? And when they came out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, a whole herd of swine ran violently down to sea place. Go to Matthew 28. We're done right here. Matthew 28. You know that Jesus tells you to go? Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Here's the sad part is, Jesus tells the demons to go, and they have no trouble obeying. He says, go, and they go. He tells the demon-possessed man, after he delivers him, go, and he goes. But you... And me, who maybe have never been in that bondage. Who maybe have a pretty good life. And when our, our life isn't a mess like that lunatic was. Our, our life isn't, you know, a huge disaster. And I'm not demon possessed. You and I, Matthew 28, 19, what does it say? It says, go. Jesus tells you to go, like He tells the demons to go, like He tells the lunatic to go. The difference is, He goes, they go, You don't. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. The sad part is, devils obey Christ better than you and I. He says go, and they don't say, well Jesus, you don't understand. On Saturdays is when I do my gardening. Today's not a good day for me. He says go, they go. He tells you to go, and we don't. We've got every excuse why I can't go and knock on the door and talk to a stranger. Well, what are they going to think and what are they going to feel and how am I going to look? That's okay. You can be a good Christian that comes to church and you're a pretty good person, but you're not ready to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because when you follow Jesus Christ, there's insecurities. When you follow Jesus Christ, you may miss out on some things. When you follow Jesus Christ, you are focused on reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the question I have for you. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for allowing us to be able to study Matthew chapter 8. I love Bible study night because we're in Matthew chapter 8 because that's the text we're in for tonight. And next week we'll be in Matthew chapter 9 because that's the text we're in for next week. Lord, I pray that Your Word would just be allowed to flow through us, that Your Spirit would use the Bible to teach us, to explain to us, to challenge us in the areas that we need to be challenged. Father, we love You. We praise Your name. I pray You'd help us to have a good rest of the week. In Your precious name I pray. Amen.